0: What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a um, kind of weird weekend in hoops, right? That's fair. Weird weekend. Right? There were no fantastic finishes. Honestly, not even really close finishes. But we have four teams remaining. We have a final four. We got some NBA. Yakety-yak. Uh, stop me if you heard this before. LeBron scored a lot of points and his team didn't win. And there is blame to go around. None of it is at the feet of LeBron James. Everybody heard that before? Good. Okay. Uh, what else do we got? Baseball's getting closer. You don't care. Oh, NFL meetings taking place. And as you heard from Dan Beyer, uh, the the San Francisco 49ers are saying, hey, listen, we haven't traded Garoppolo because we haven't gotten a formal offer yet. That's a new one. I haven't gotten a formal offer yet. Okay. But before we get to all that, let's get to the the thing that people are talking about the most. That's your job. People ask me all the time, like what, what's your job? My job is to talk about what people talk about most, generally in sports. And I'm sure there's a there there are sports off ramps or a plenty. But um I was not watching the Academy Awards last night. But I am aware of what happened and watched the entire sequence of events revolving around the Academy Awards last night. Chris Rock is, um, what do we think? Is, is he the greatest stand-up comic of our generation? Is that, is that fair? Is he the, Eddie, you know, Eddie Murphy became, Dave Chappelle became Chris Rock? Or are Chris Rock and Chappelle contemporaries? I'm not really sure. Uh, obviously, if you go back before uh, Eddie Murphy, there was Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby. I know you don't like to say Bill Cosby because of the things that uh, that he uh, was uh, found guilty of doing with women. But as a comedian, there was definitely a good portion of time in which he was uh, he was considered one of the two or three funniest men. In America. We okay saying Chris Rock is is the guy? Okay. Different style, obviously, than Chappelle. And there is some crossover to him in that, I don't know if you want to call him a sellout or whatever, but there have been some things that he's done where, like, look, if you're hosting the Oscars, you generally have to tame it down. Generally, this is not the, uh, what is it, the Golden Globes, the one that Ricky Gervais has hosted a bunch of times where he just eviscerates people. Eviscerates them. So instead it was Chris Rock and Chris Rock um, asked if uh, Jada Pinkett Smith asked if Jada Pinkett Smith was going to be in the new G.I. Jane 2 movie. Obviously, if you followed uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, in addition to all of the other stuff that's being discussed, she has said she has alopecia and it's made her go bald, right? So I'm sure there's a reason that she was pretty sensitive at any remark. But, like, again, here's the sequence of events. Chris Rock is cracking jokes. He looks over and sees Jada and Will Smith and throws in the line, you know, uh, Jada Smith's going to be, Jada Pink, Jada's going to be in the new uh, G.I. Jane 2, So what most people have seen... Most people have seen this. Oh, Richard!
2: <laughs> oh, wow!
0: Wow!
1: Will Smith just smacked the s**t out of me.
2: Keep
3: this- my wife's name out your mouth!
4: Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's
1: name out your.
0: No, I'm going to. OK, <laughs> oh, I could, oh, OK, that was a uh, greatest night in the history of television. OK. So my guess is when he said I could, we know that Chris Rock has that nasty in him. And there's been a lot of talk about him taking the slap. He didn't even touch his face. Right. Like that was good. And had it not been for the "I could" or "That was the greatest eye in the history of television," which felt impromptu, and maybe without the cursing, you would have thought maybe that's a setup. Jay Stu, when you first heard about it, were you watching the Academy Awards? I was. Yep. And what did you think when it first yeah, happened?
4: Yeah, I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was a bit. I didn't understand the bit, but I assumed that it would be explained at some point. Um, and then I, I saw what, what all the other American audience saw. I think which was a bunch of silence and reading Will Smith's. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I guess this is real. And that was one of the most unsettling things I've ever seen in my life.
0: Well, I, it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily alarmed by it. Like, look, here's the thing. Um, obviously, a lot of Will Smith's personal life has, has been discussed. And especially not as much in the media as much as the social media. And there have been parts of it that are usually off-limits that haven't been made off-limits. But a good portion of that is because both Jada and Will have let people in, right? I mean, it's not like people went digging and they found this scandal and they exposed a scandal. What happened was the two of them have apparently worked through some stuff in their own unique way, come out the other side, and then said hey here's what we were going through and because of it and because of some of the stories i mean there's been plenty of jokes and plenty of memes on social media so it does feel like um that will who at first laughed at the joke looked at jada she was she was uh not happy And I think there's at least the possibility that it's not just the joke or her feeling. It's the culmination of all of this other stuff. And then, and you tell me if I'm wrong, he had to be on something. And by on something, I mean he could have had a couple glasses of wine. There's a lot of different things. Knowing that he was eventually or likely going to eventually get an Academy Award, it's not crazy to think all right, I'm going to have a couple of drinks and loosen up for this long show. Because you just sit there and sit there and sit there. And you got to be careful how much you drink because you got to go to the bathroom, too. But that's not the normal reaction for someone as celebrated as Will Smith. And I would guess that you combined a little uh, lubrication with all of the other jokes that have been cracked at his and Jada's expense. And that's what you got. Doesn't make it Okay. Uh, I felt like Chris Rock wanted to go to his fastball, which was if you're a comedian and you've made it this far, and he's made it to the absolute highest point of any comedian, you've had to come up through nightclubs, you've had to deal with hecklers, and with Will, it's not that hard to deal with, considering the ammo that he and Jada provided you. Uh, The whole thing was weird. Like, of all the things to get mad about, that one feels weird. Maybe it's because you're protecting your wife. Maybe it's because of all that other stuff. Maybe it's because you've been drinking, but it felt weird. Uh, Dan Byer, were you watching the Academy Awards?
2: Uh, no, not when yeah. it happened. Neither I was
0: I. Neither was I. Um, okay, so when it did happen, did you? Were you on social media last night? Were you completely shut down? No, and, I was
2: doing stuff around the house, and then my wife had it on. We had it on the TV, but I wasn't paying any attention. And what did Lisa say? She was taking care of the baby, but it was it was just kind of uh, one of the things of. Did you hear what happened? You know, we had it on TV, but never paid. Yeah, attention. not really watching it. Correct, yeah, 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 correct. Yeah. Ba- background, background noise. A little yes. Bit. So it was a whole thing of. Then I was wondering if it was fake or not, and then um, this is probably about you know thirty minutes after everything was blowing up on social media, and I I still to the today don't like I understand Will Smith's wanting to protect his wife, I completely uh, support that. Just the whole thing about it of the, the setting, the scene, the slap, you know, like of, of, of it's just to me, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm not even on the fence about it, I don't even know whose side it is, it just is awkward to me.
0: Very awkward, that's a great way to put it, it's very awkward. Get, Jeremy in New York tweets us, bro, you don't, talk, don't mock uh, someone's wife's disease. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I'm generally with you, but I would also say that, like, look, part of it is you go to the Academy Awards. I mean, it's much. It's a tamer version of the Golden Globes, but you know, you're going to get made fun of. Actually, getting made fun of at the Academy Awards or Golden Globes or any of these. Okay, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. It's actually signifies that you're still very much in the public eye, that you're still very much a known commodity. It's actually, I think anyone in the business say it's a good thing when they, when somebody goes like, Hey, was, um, was, uh, Val Kilmer there? I don't know. I don't even know. Like, why would anybody care if Val Kilmer's there? That's the point. Whereas Jada Smith, she gets a joke made about her. You know, I, I understand it's a disease and losing your hair or whatever. Now, she had hair last night. Can she, I don't know. I don't understand if she would grow hair or not grow hair. If that was Because that wasn't a wig she's taking to just I, cutting everything off. I don't un- really truly understand that. I, I
2: think the personal nature of it. like It offended her. It hurt her feelings. It wasn't about a bad movie she did. It wasn't about a movie that, that bombed. It was something that was personal to her that obviously Chris Rock didn't know about. And by the way, I think Chris Rock's joke was completely off the cuff. He just saw her in the front row and made that joke. And there is where it kind of all of a sudden went. Like I don't think that that was that was scripted at all. I, I think that was him totally off the cuff, and I think that he was wrong in saying that because that is a personal attack. It's one thing to be like, yeah, you know, I, I don't, you know, making fun of a movie that someone made, but when you do that, that did cross a line.
4: Not a very funny okay. joke, by the way. No, it w- w- wasn't very entertaining. Sure, wasn't worth all that.
0: <laughs> no, I would. I would tend to agree, and
4: you're right. But, you're right. Like Will Smith, like laughing at the joke initially, and then looking over and seeing his wife not laughing. Um, my read on that was that he did a quick calculation in his head, and the calculation was this: for all of us that have, have lived with women and, and been married, um, he said, "the the stuff I'm going to get when I get home is not as bad as the stuff I'm going to get from the world if I attack this man on national TV." I think you made that calculation, and he's going to live with it.
2: I, I actually, I actually. I, I think it was a little different. I think he laughed and then saw his wife was hurt. And then that's when his emotions changed. Like, I, like, the whole, like, Will Smith laughed at first. Then you realize that your partner may have had their feelings hurt. That changes your whole sort of demeanor.
5: Does it change your demeanor enough to walk up on stage and hit somebody? Um,. I don't think it should. Maybe you can. If he just would have screamed out the F word or whatever he did on the sitting down, then I'm cool. You know, hey, don't say my wife's name and you're whatever. But to get up on stage to me personally and to attack and assault somebody, whether you think it was a slap or whatever, or a head or a punch, that where I think I draw the John line. Ramos, Here's a good, John, John Ramos, ladies and gentlemen. John Ramos is
0: here. John Ramos has yes. entered the chat, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Trade Hosmer now sends me a good tweet. This is a good one. Comedy is dead, gross overreaction, no matter in defense of his wife, this generation, uh, present era sucks. Now, it's interesting because Collins talked about this some on Pods when he's had comedians on. And I know Seinfeld has talked about this, where it's the idea, no one want, comedians don't want to go to college campuses anymore because everybody massively overreacts to a joke. Massively overreacts to a joke. Um, so I, I the, first of all, I, I the, there's a lot of elements to it, which are weird. There's the element where he laughed at first. Okay. Then there's the element too. he walked up and he smacked him and then walked away. Whereas normally you would
2: punch a dude, right? Yes. Wouldn't you? Yes. That part was weird it, it that was on the fence to me, Doug
0: okay, um, so hold on minute let me kind of walk through it real quick i uh, keep you keep hopping in I, I I like that okay so then there's the he slapped him then there's a Chris Rock and you could tell Chris Rock he had that I'm a comedian, I got all this ammo yes, everything is stripped in terms of what he said, and maybe that was off the cuff. But if Chris Rock wanted to go, hey, old school Chris Rock coming up in comedy, he's got a heckler. This heckler he's got a ton of info on. He could have if evis- he could have ended ended Will Smith. Ended him. I mean so, I don't think so. so.
2: he was shook. He couldn't get I, out the documentary. He didn't know what they were doing. He, Be, he realized I, the I, moment. He, I I do. I think he realized the moment. That's why I think he listened. I want to play it for you one more
0: time. Okay, I want you to listen to where he was kind of giggling and he was like, he was trying to figure out in his head, calculating in his head, is it worth it if I end will. Will Smith, because he could, and Will Smith is a Scientologist, there's plenty of jokes there, okay, Will Smith and Jada had that open relationship and you had the R&B dude talking about Jada and all that, there's there's so much ammo there, and if you don't think Chris Rock has the ammo that's like, that, that's like you know, w- walking into the worst part of any bad city and going like, hey guys I got a bunch of cash here, like what do you got like, it's just There's Chris Rock has that fastball in him, but he knows this is the corporate nature of it. Take a listen to the. There's like three or four seconds there, and then he goes, "I I won't do it. I I, I won't. I won't do it." Take a listen.
1: Uh Oh, Richard!
2: (laughs) Oh, wow!
1: Wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me.
3: my
4: wife's name out your mouth wow dude yes it was a gi jane joke
1: keep my wife's name out your mouth i'm going to okay (laughs) i could oh okay that was a
3: greatest night in the history of television okay
0: (laughs) yeah i i it's look i i dan you know this hosting shows I can't imagine you're on stage there. And yeah, he's a little shook, but I also think he's contemplating his mind, do I crush this dude? And and the weird part was when he walked up, like... No one said or moved a the muscle. They didn't think anything of it. Then he smacks him, and, like, nobody moved at all. It was They were just like, is this theater? I don't think anybody in the theater knew if it, if it was real or no, fake. No, I don't think until, so either. Until it got really uncomfortable and Will Smith started yelling, don't keep your name, and my wife's name out of your effing mouth.
2: I don't know how he could have. I, I understand your point about a comedian, and then now a comedian's like, all right, now we're turning it all the way up to 10. Like, I get that portion of it. I just don't. I don't know what he could have done. Like that would have Chris if Chris Rock retaliates with any words, he even looks worse because he kind of started it with his joke that did not land.
4: Him not it, him not pressing charges by the way is I think the the first step, but I really do think guys unless he's issued a statement in the last 20 minutes I'm not aware of, I think that he holds Will Smith's reputation I think moving forward in his, ha- his hands. If Chris Rock kind of plays this off, makes a joke out of it and wants to w- wants to you know make things good, then Will Smith's kind of reputation takes a little ding but it's not for a long time. But if, if Chris Rock wants to make a deal out of this and kind of pile on a little bit, I think Will Smith could take like a, a long time to get over this.
0: Will did not look right. Yeah. When when right. he's yelling, he did not look right. And look, I I'll just quick story, okay? So uh my dad for his seventieth birthday. So this is nineteen what is this uh two thousand and ten. Okay, two thousand and ten. My dad had comes up with the idea. I wanna have a roast. Okay. Who do you want to roast? Me for my birthday. Call all my friends, you guys can say whatever you want. Uh don't know if you want that. No, no, I want to roast. You guys know how to do it. So there's plenty of things you can pick on about my dad. And there's always one guy. I won't mention the name because uh, his son is a very good friend of mine. But I remember being there. We had at my dad's tennis club. And we had, I don't know, 50 of his friends there. And everybody kind of got up and told a, a, a Bob Gottlieb story. And my dad, there's plenty of funny stories which uh, would no one would deem offensive, but they definitely make fun of it because there was there was there were so many openings there, and there was one guy who said a couple of things which they just came off as mean, right? Like I don't really know if you got the whole idea of a, like it's okay to make fun of dudes and bust chops, but it came off as mean. And when I when anytime I've told that story, like yeah, you can't do that with friends. There's always one guy, right? And and it's just like when you go out drinking with you know like six seven buddies, there's always one guy who wants to fight. There's always one guy who takes it too far. There's always somebody who takes a joke too personally. Always. And that's what that was. That was relatable. Also, the couple that's going through a lot of stuff, and the guys, I, I think part of the massive overreaction is they're going through all this stuff, and you know it takes a while to click in the, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be the overprotective husband now. The whole thing was as weird as anything I can imagine. It's just sometimes human interactions are weird. Uh, But I did think there's a relatable part to somebody taking a joke poorly. To a joke that, uh, this is what, uh, I'm not a comedian, but I can tell you having said jokes that didn't go over well before... I, everyone knows what that's like. And a lot of times it's the ones you don't plan for those ones. You just throw them in. You think they're a clever line and that's what gets you most in trouble. That's what gets you most in trouble. Yes. John Ramos. Now
5: go ahead, John. Did you listen to the other jokes from the three ladies on this, on the set before this happened? Yeah. Yeah. There were tons of things that they said. They even said stuff about Jada Pinkett Smith uh, about having multiple or different people or, or whatever. I mean, I don't know why this, I get it. Maybe why this particular one did, but we act like she, this I is think, not... I think she'd, I think she'd had enough. Okay. Well, and that's,
0: that, that's, that's my guess. And, and I'll also tell you this, like uh, this, this may come across to some as chauvinistic. I don't believe it is men and women are not wired the same. We all understand that, right? Like this is not, it's not chauvinistic to say men and women are not wired the same. Some women are wired a little bit more like men. Some men are wired a little bit more like women. And and none of that has any sort of negative. If you want to take it as a negative connotation, feel free, knock yourself out. It's not. Men and women are different. And women have a tendency, I believe, to take things, especially like social media things. Look at how many women have imploded because of the nastiness and downright disgraceful nature of some people on social media right like look i have people say things to me that are awful awful and sometimes i'll post them and sometimes i'll just um sometimes i'll just block them sometimes i'll mute them sometimes i'll retweet them i i, I there's no pattern to it hey, the difference is that i think sometimes women struggle with that and understanding like it's kind of part of the job it does suck doesn't feel good, but if you can tell yourself in your brain, "Hey, if they're not mentioning you, um, that's a bad thing. If they are mentioning you, even if they're joking, that's a good thing." If you can get that in your brain, you can survive it. But I, I, I tend to believe that women have a tendency, by and large, not everyone, to take things a little bit more personally, to to be a and and usually they're a little bit more sympathetic or empathetic in the humor in which they have. Not always. Obviously not those three ladies up there. Anyway. um, uh, Jack says, what would happen if Amy Schumer told the same joke? It's a great question. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug
1: Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and
0: the iHeartRadio app. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio, what's good with you? Hope you're great. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast live from sunny Southern California. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. Um, huh. So, here's what I want to do I'll give you my thoughts really quickly, then I want to go around the room and ask these guys their thoughts because usually. The first weekend in the NCAA tournament is all about the upsets. The second weekend in the NCAA tournament is really about who's going to play for the national championship. So it gets a little less fun, but generally the games are more competitive. We didn't really have that this weekend. I'm not saying we didn't have teams that are going to play for a national championship. We have that. The Final Four is decided. It's three of the Blue Bloods, right? Kansas, Kentucky. Excuse me, Kansas. I say Kentucky. Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. And then Villanova, who won a title in the 80s, and then has won two recently, you'd probably call them a new blood. Still, four of the greatest college basketball programs on earth have all survived. But the games were, yeah, they were just, they were kind of whatever, right? Like there's, no one's going to go down and go like, man, remember that, remember that game, (laughs) you know? Um, Houston, Arizona wasn't close, Arkansas, 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 of course, in the Sweet 16 beat Gonzaga. That was probably the most surprising of the weekend. Duke, Texas Tech was close, right? And then Duke closed with a vengeance. North Carolina, UCLA, fairly close. Miami, Iowa State was not a good game. Kansas Province was. Uh... St. Peter's, Purdue was close. Those are all Thursday and Friday. But the, the difference is Saturday and Sunday, Nova dominated Houston, Duke dominated. Uh, Arkansas, and then yesterday, Kansas was down six at the half. They outscore Miami 47-15 in the second half to win by 26. And North Carolina, that thing was over right about jump ball. Right about jump ball. So, um, the games weren't great this weekend. They just weren't. Um, but what they were was, they were telling of, Four great programs. I heard Steve Lavin say this. Former UCLA and St. John's head coach said he likes Duke now, not just because they're playing the best basketball, but you know, if you take out the other three one seeds, not named Kansas, and several of the other twos and threes, like they have the best talent. They might have the best coach. He's definitely the most experienced in terms of length of success. Coach. He thinks Duke's the favorite. I I, I watched Duke come from behind against Michigan State. And it started to appear to me that, like, yeah, well, why would I pick Kentucky to win this thing? Duke's going to win this thing. Um, but but the, the the point I would make is this. I know that college basketball has cheating scandals. I know that we operate under the assumption that whoever has the best pro is always going to win. But the fact is, you have Duke in North Carolina. And though uh, North Carolina is a good squad – it's not the traditional Carolina seven on All-Americans on their roster. Duke's good, and they have Paolo Banquero. Um, they, they probably have the most pros on their roster. Mark Williams has mailed himself a lot of money. This might be the least talented Kansas Final Four team ever. I don't think there's any question that. And Villanova's good, solid. But they did lose arguably their best or second-best player to a torn Achilles tendon. So this is not the greatest four teams we've ever seen. But you start to get the sense for why coaches are as highly regarded as they are because these schools, these coaches, and granted, Hubert Davis is his first year, but he's been assistant there. He played there, so he knows everything about why these coaches are so well regarded. Their teams find a way to survive in advance. Find a way to succeed. Uh, I've already asked you, Jason Stewart. Was there any moment this weekend which you think is memorable all long, long-term? What would it be?
4: I think the memorable part for me was St. Peter's um, being such a great story going into that game and then ultimately not having a good game. Now, they were overmatched, I understand that, and a heavy underdog, but I was hoping to, for a little bit more out of them. That was maybe my main uh, memory of the weekend.
0: Okay, what about you there, uh, Dan Beyer?
2: Yeah, I think that St. Peter's is just the the absolute story. To have a 15 seed be one game away from the Final Four is, I mean, I think that even if Duke wins it all, that we'll look back and this would be the St. Peter's tournament of them getting so close. Um, If if no other school in the next decade or so uh, makes a Final Four as a 15 seed, but to see a 15 seed go this far and that win over Purdue on uh on Friday night was yeah, I think it was pretty monumental.
0: Yeah, I w- I would I would agree. It was a massive but we do see those. The idea of beating Purdue and North Carolina back to back was was not really a
2: Yeah, I and I said this on our show yesterday because the St. Peter's North Carolina game was going on. If you do look at St. Peter's route, this is not to diminish what they did, but North Carolina was the only team that they played that were trending upwards, where, you know, you and I both have had questions about Purdue, and great on paper, magnificent on paper, but you put the five together on the floor and something's just not right. Murray State, we don't know how real they were, and Kentucky probably played their best basketball about a month and a half ago. So, and that's not to diminish anything that St. Peter's did, but now St. Peter's is riding this streak, and now there's expectations, and guess what, you get a team that, you know, that was playing as well as North Carolina. It was a tough ask yesterday.
0: It was a, it was a tough ask, and North Carolina. I think because Purdue, who they beat, Kentucky and Purdue, North Carolina had uh, Saint Peter's had the respect of, of Purdue sure. of, of North Carolina, yep. right? Yeah. Whereas you you lose some of those games in layup lines. Either one end you get intimidated by the bigger team, or the other end you dismiss you dismiss the smaller mid major, in this case, low major. Because you'd never heard of any of those guys. You don't. They don't have names in the back of their shirt. You are just like these guys can't beat us. And I think that that had they not beaten Purdue, even if they beat another mid-major, I'm not sure it would resonate the same as it did with North Carolina.
2: Yeah, fair point.
0: Um, still, good, interesting Final Four. And uh, he, okay, so there's two sides of this thing. There is no in the middle. You either want Duke to win. You know, much like John Wooden ended his career on a championship win, same could happen for uh, for Mike Shashevsky. Or you want him to get upset by North Carolina because Hubert Davis, in his first year, would beat Duke twice, and both, you know, the last game of the year that was supposed to be a coronation. This is too. It's supposed to be Duke's tournament. Are you cheering for the spoiler, or are you cheering
2: for Shashevsky? Dan Byer, I think I'm pulling for Duke. I love Duke. I love Duke. I can to hear myself say it before I even believed it myself. But I think that I am.
0: Okay, what about you there, Jay Stu, who, uh, who you root for?
4: I think you know me by now. Um, I root. I, I have kind of a, a negative uh, lean towards my interests, and uh, I think it'll be more interesting if they lose to North Carolina for a second time um, and, and uh, he gets ousted – on the way out the door by the biggest nemesis. And I I don't have a rooting interest here. By the way, I took Duke this weekend and won. Um, But uh, I think that would be more interesting to me to see him go down by his nemesis in the tournament.
0: Well, he's not his nemesis in the tournament because they haven't played the tournament before.
4: No, I'm just saying that him going down, him going out, him exiting his career by losing to North Carolina as a tournament game, as a Final Four tournament game. That's kind of what I meant.
0: You know, I, I, I got it. and it would be his last game. Ramos, do you want to see Krzyzewski lose his last game, or do you want to see him win the title?
5: Well, as I've said before, I believe Duke is this last Cinderella team left in this tournament. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I think they lost in the ACC tournament. Everybody said they weren't built to win this. They lost against North Carolina in their final game for Coach K at Cameron, and everybody said this is not a team built to win a championship, and yet, welcome, here they are. The Cinderella team of the NCAA tournament. Screw St. Peter's. This is the Cinderella team. They are going to win. This is a Hollywood ending, Doug. We just saw the Oscars last night. This is a Hollywood ending for Mike Shishetsky and his career in national championship. So that's what you want to see happen. You bet. Okay.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. The tribe has spoken. Here, go ahead.
2: I don't know how. Like, there are people who are disappointed in this final four, and I I don't know like how. How you could have picked a better one, honestly, with the Coach K story. Dan, Yeah, Yeah? we could tell people
0: that the sky is going to open up (laughs) and gold is going to fall from the sky at noon, okay, (laughs) tomorrow at noon. And you know what you get? You get people go, I can't believe they picked noon. I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they picked noon. Uh, the noon. It's like, oh, it's just such a terrible time of the day. I'm trying to eat something. How can they possibly pick it Why are they doing gold coin? Why don't they do dollar bills? Why don't they do Bitcoin, which is worth more than gold coin? Bitcoin's at 44000 now. Why don't they? So I understand what you're saying, that you, you'll get people that say worst Elite Eight, ever right does they say worst elite eight ever i understand what you're saying but i would also say that uh you could find
2: people who will complain literally about anything anything at all this this actual duke north carolina matchup is amazing is it's it's amazing and it also dug in a grander scale Makes me almost intrigued to see if college football expanded. What it would be like to see a Michigan Ohio State uh, game in a playoff or an Alabama. Um, well, the Alabama's played LSU in the title game, we'll but maybe Auburn. yeah, you know yeah, Alabama Auburn in a in a semifinal or I mean like that sort of stuff. We've seen you know the SEC play against each other, but to have like the rivals that these two schools are in this sort of setting makes me even curious on what it would be like for football if you had that scenario. I'm excited about Saturday night. like Duke, oh, North
0: Carolina in the semifinals and yeah. Villanova, considering what Villanova did to Kansas last time uh, in the Final Four, that's it's amazing. But like I said, you, you can't let somebody mention on social media and let that affect you because they would complain
2: about gold falling out the scares the the other thing of of coach k and not to go to my generation or our generation but there is in our generation there was a time when duke wasn't winning the big game and they weren't successful and it was a short period of time it was the mid 80s to 1990 but there was still that of man can duke break through and you know, 30 years later, I still joke that I can't believe I was cheering for Duke against UNLV, knowing what the next, you know, uh, now knowing what the next 30 years were going to be. But there is that little part of it as well, as I remember Duke falling short in all those Final Fours or National Championship games.
0: No no question. And you remember in 91 who they beat in the championship game. They Kansas. beat UNLV. Yeah. But, yeah, but everybody thinks that they beat UNLV in the championship. No, that's a lot like it's a lot like uh, Team USA and Russia and hockey in 1980. That was only the semifinals. Yeah, only the semifinals. So anyway, I th- I'm I'm with you. I think it's great stuff. You know, usually when you go to a final four, there's one Cinderella, and they're competitive for about three quarters of the game, and then they go away. Yeah, right. And then there's you know usually two traditional powers, maybe three, you know, and um and and that's the way it kind of goes down. To have four. Uh, uh, Blue Bloods, New Bloods, whatever you want to call them, is, is pretty outstanding stuff. I
2: think I've been to four Final Fours, Doug. You've been uh, way more than me. But I was there in the George Mason year in 06. Yep. And I was also in Houston in 2011. And George Mason had the newness of it. But VCU and Butler being back again did not carry the weight of a Final Four compared to Michigan State making that run in 09 in Detroit. Yep. And then also 2007, when you had Florida going back to back with UCLA, Ohio State, and Georgetown in that like like, there's just no comparison to the two final the four of the four Final Fours that I went to. Two were just magnificent. The George Mason did have a different angle to it, but the 2011 one, when you had two Cinderellas, there just wasn't. It just didn't live up to the to the hype.
0: I would, I I would agree, and I would also say the George Mason. I thought they were the second best team at that Final Four. Obviously, to Florida, who's part of back-to-back titles. Uh, yes, Chase, too. Just to, just to be clear,
4: um, I, I would love to see Duke lose on Saturday, and I would love for Coach K to do this before they uh, get to the ladders and cutting down stuff. That
0: sounds Pause like for a minute. Really,
4: this
3: is a part a- of the program. This is impromptu by me. I'm sorry about this afternoon. That no, please no. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say. It's unacceptable.
0: It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. People are really bothered by that that deal. Right? Be quiet. I mean, he's kind of old, and old guys be I mean, what are you supposed to say? Shh shh I hate the shh I hate shushing people. He wanted them to be quiet. Were they quiet? Jay Stu, were they quiet when he said they were quiet? They listened to coach. That's leadership right there. That's (laughs) 1,200 wins right there. That's that's Fox Sports
1: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We'll get back to, uh, all that yakety yak on Chris Rock and Will Smith in a second. Plus, an update on everything happening in the world of sports. But let's get to Steve Berline, longtime starting quarterback and NFL analyst for the National Football League. He joins us. Of course, he works for CBS Sports. And Steve, I want to start with um, uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, what do you think of Cleveland? They not only traded for him, but they gave him a five-year guaranteed deal. We don't know when he'll play this year. He's also had, and this no one discusses, two ACL injuries. He's a very, very talented guy, uh, but won't have played in a year, maybe a year and a half by the time he does play. What do you think of Deshaun Watson in Cleveland for that money?
3: Well, if you're talking about just as a football player, I think it's an absolute winning deal for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Deshaun. I'm not overly concerned about the uh, the dual ACL injuries when he he, – was last playing, he was playing at a pretty high level. And I think he's right in the prime as far as age and years left. And obviously he's going to have to be smart and learn how to not put himself at risk for those type of injuries. But uh, as we know with technology today, ACL, there's not any other major issues. Guys are coming back from those on a regular basis. Now, as you pointed out, with all the questions with all the money guaranteed you don't even know how often or how much he's going to get to play this year uh it's a risk for the browns for sure but i i think they're looking at it from a a long-term perspective uh you know this year they may not have him for the full season uh but moving forward they have their quarterback position set i think uh for the long term and they they must know a little bit more than we do about what the situation is for this year. Um, and <clears throat> maybe they feel as though, um, he will get by with maybe, uh, just a slap on the wrist, uh, more than anything else.
0: Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Uh, that's the voice of Steve Berline. Of course, longtime starter of the national football league and ever since has been an NFL analyst for CBS sports. Okay. Let's, let's get to Baker Mayfield. Um, He's owed $19 million guaranteed. That's probably one of the big reasons he hasn't been traded yet. The assumption becomes he either gets traded or cut. What does he need in order to be successful, Steve?
3: You know, I think a fresh start would be really good for him. I think given all that has happened um, for him in his short career, uh, there's a lot of questions about, uh, I think, his overall confidence and where he's at from that perspective. And we know there's been a lot of examples of guys that uh, get off to the rocky start and end up uh, turning it around when they get into a new situation. They feel like they're uh, empowered again in a situation where there, there is confidence and and genuine enthusiasm about them being there. I don't think he's going to have that in Cleveland in any scenario. Um, You know, I can't imagine the Browns uh, trying to, if they, if they don't find the right, uh, Suitor uh, for 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 Baker Mayfield, and and if they do, maybe fear that, that Deshaun Watson may uh, miss a significant portion of this season. Uh, maybe there are some. There's a school that maybe they they keep both of them. I don't see that being an option, but I've heard people kind of talking about that. Uh, but but obviously Baker Mayfield is not going to be excited about that situation, and I, I do think something has to happen. I do think he can still be a productive NFL quarterback based on what he did his first couple of years. I never viewed him as the number one pick in the draft. I thought all along that uh, the Browns were going to regret not taking Josh Allen with that first pick. Uh, I said that before the draft, and uh, it's kind of played itself out. But I do think that Baker Mayfield can be a good, uh, productive quarterback in the right situation, and I think he will be when it's all said and done.
0: Doug Gottlieb's show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Steve Berline, uh, who joins us. Okay, what about Tom Brady? Uh, what do you make of the retirement and then the unretirement in such a short period of time? I was shocked by this one.
3: Uh, I mean, I really had no. There was no. There was a zero percent chance in my mind that when he came out and announced that he was that he was done, that he was retiring that he was going to come back. I just didn't see any scenario or just knowing Tom Brady, as we've all gotten to know him over the years, I thought that when he made that statement, when he finally made that statement that he was done, he was going to be done. And for it to turn so quickly, um, I mean, I told a bunch of people, in fact, there were a lot of people that were correct on him coming back. Um, Obviously, much more so than me, but I told him they were crazy. There's no way that Tom Brady would ever come back after saying that he's done. Um, obviously, I was wrong. And uh, I, the love for the game, and the, I think the fact that uh, he felt like there was still a little bit of uh, I don't know. What, I don't want to say he had more to prove because he's already proven everything. But I think the desire to show that he still could do it one more time is probably what motivated him to come back and say. You know, I feel good. Let's give it one more shot. I I just hope it works out well for him from a health standpoint. Whether he comes back and gets that Super Bowl, we know how difficult that's going to be to accomplish again, especially at one year older. Uh, I just hope that nothing bad happens to him physically uh, and that the year doesn't go really uh, in a negative way for him because I'd hate for him to, to walk off under those conditions.
0: What do you think of the Miami rumors?
3: I can't believe that. But, you know, shoot – I've been wrong on him, everything to do with Brady, for the last five years. <laughs> I've been wrong on And so I, I don't know how to predict anything with him. Um, he always seems to do the opposite of what I think is going to happen. And uh, I don't put any stock in, and I cannot see any situation where the Buccaneers would want to trade um, Tom Brady to the Dolphins for, for the last year after he just won him a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, just over a year ago. So um, I don't think there's anything to it. Um, you know, unless unless the Dolphins want to get a little bit silly and stupid and, and give up, uh, you know, everything that they possibly have to to get Brady and the Bucks feel like it sets them up better for the future. Um, I just, but there's nothing. There's not a scenario in my mind where I see that playing out. I just, I just cannot see Brady coming back. To go to Miami and uh, try to finish it out there.
0: How does Devontae Adams do in Las Vegas?
3: You know, I think they're excited about it. Obviously, he and, and Derek Carr uh, getting back on the on the field together, and I think they'll they'll have a very productive year. I think they'll they'll be um, you know one of the top tandems in the NFL as long as both stay healthy. You know, Devontae Adams has shown he can do it even without a lot of supporting cast around him when he is the obvious featured guy and. That's going to be the situation again in in, uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, I expect them to be really productive. You know, Derek Carr is going to find ways to get the football to him, and um, you know, obviously, uh, Josh uh, is going to is going to find creative ways to get the football to his best player as well. So I expect that to go really well for the for the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: Okay, what about Green Bay? You sign the quarterback to what's assumed to be the biggest contract ever. How do you get pieces around him?
3: I, I, this is another one. that I'm glad you brought that up because from that perspective, I did not see it coming. Um, it makes sense for the Raiders, obviously, but it makes no sense for the Green Bay Packers. And I cannot believe that Aaron Rodgers uh, has been so accommodating and so enthusiastic and so um, positive knowing that there was no intention of trying to re-sign Devontae Adams, that they were going to, uh trade him somewhere most likely and uh he hasn't come out and refuted that i i, I thought that he would be very vocal uh and that maybe they, the packers have pulled a fast one on him but that's not the case it doesn't seem to be and i don't know how the packers make up for that and i don't know how uh they can go into this season feeling really good about their chances without their number one playmaker uh being a part of the deal i i I don't know how they're going to get it done. Maybe they 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 feel like they're going to grab a great one out of the draft this year, and maybe they feel good about the sporting cast. But there's no way they're going to fill Devontae Adams' shoes this year.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Uh, but but I do think that one of the reasons he's been so accommodating, there has to be a plan there. I just don't know what that plan is, or if it'll make them better, or more likely a little bit worse on offense. It's going to be fascinating, well, Steve. Well, go ahead. I think
3: they're going to. The, the, they're, they're going to be worse. I don't think there's any way they can be better. And I do think they have a plan in place. But how do you replace
0: uh, Devontae Adams? I mean, I don't, I don't know. He's and, in his And, prime. and, and Marcus and Marcus uh, They uh, lost Scandling, two of their yeah. top three. I mean, he's he's not a great player, well, but but you know, it, having guys around for their entire career where they know everything that you want to do and every, it, it, there's a value to that. In addition to Devontae Adams' pure talent and his relationship with Aaron Steve, we got to run. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, Immensely, thank you so much for your time.
1: You got it, buddy. Anytime. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
0: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Breathe in, breathe out. Sorry. Um, We'll talk some LeBron next hour. Uh, I think we're going to talk to Dan Dockett's next hour, right? Yeah, we'll talk to Dan Dockett's next hour. And I'll, I'll give you, I do have some very, I think, smart and interesting thoughts in the Final Four. But before we get to that, let's get to what the Fox says. And now. <laughs> what Does the Fox Say is brought to you by Hustler Turf, the brand lawn care professionals have trusted for years when it comes to premium zero-turn lawnmowers to run their businesses. And for this weekend, Joe's, Hustler Turf is a full lineup of residential mowers, Visit turf.com to find a dealer near you. That's com. This is Dan Patrick on what went down between Chris Rock and Will Smith. Chris Rock has a moment where he's
1: ready to say something about Will Smith that will really be personal. But you have to, you know, the thing I'll give credit to Chris Rock is, A, he took the punch or took the smack and then had the wherewithal to not make this personal because he still had – a uh, best documentary to hand out. And then you realize that Will Smith moments later is going to win the best actor. And he got up on stage and got best actor. That might've been the best acting. He did getting <laughs> acting like he was really upset for his wife. He's laughing. All of a sudden looks over. She's not laughing. Now Chris rock has had some jokes at her expense previously, but that's what Chris rock does. It's a joke. not even a good joke. Like, if you're going to get smacked, get smacked over a good joke. That's not even a good joke. And I understand Will Smith defending his wife. Maybe in a different setting, you know, after party, pull him aside. Just say, look, you know, let's be grown men. Let's be professionals. Don't say those things about my wife.
0: Yeah, we discussed this. I mean, look, I, I understand when you're talking about somebody – not having their hair and you do look it's just a job hazard it's a lot like in my job you're going to have an opinion about something when you if you're doing it right you're going to have an opinion that's going to piss somebody off it just does it's it.